I feel like I spelled it wrong. I feel like autocorrected it wrong because it says. <laughs> what is it? It says Chick Palahniuk. <laughs> Chuck. It probably was I Chuck. Think it's Chuck. Good morning, good day, and good evening. And good night. Good night. That's it. Sweet dreams. That's the podcast. That's the episode. Yeah. Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. You can follow us on social media at The Insomnia Report. And we'll and see you next week. Just kidding. Hello, everyone. Uh-huh. Hello. I fooled you. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> We're so silly. Oh, goodness. No, but in all seriousness, welcome to episode three. Welcome to the Insomnia Report. This is Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. And this week we will be covering true crime. Ooh. Super excited about this one. Yeah, me too. I guess we'll just dive into it. I, I'm i going to go ahead and light the candle. Yeah, that, <laughs> That's something we do every week. Um, while I light the candle, I just want to say... If this is your first episode tuning in, welcome. If you have listened to our other two episodes, welcome back. And thank you. Thank you. Um, So um, before we get into our stories, what has kept you up this week? Well, Margo, last night the both of us watched The Bachelorette together. I do remember that. With Claire. Yeah, the contestant Claire, and uh, I think it's safe to say that we are part of Bachelor Nation. Um, it's true. I I really don't like to admit it, but I uh, yeah. we started this. Uh, we we watched Pete's episode, and that was the or Pete's season, and that was the first one we watched, and we're kind of we're hooked, and I I don't. It's like a, a burning car fire that I just can't <laughs> look away from. What a roller coaster that last season was. Ugh. I just, yeah. Anyway, all these men are very handsome, and Claire just seems very happy, and I'm happy yeah. for her. I want her to find love. Yep. Yeah, so if you watch The Bachelorette, that's what I've been thinking about, like, basically all night. <laughs> um, email us at theinsomniareport at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Subject line Bachelorette. Yeah, specifically about Dale. If you oh. have thoughts on Dale uh, so or anything else, comments, just let us know. I give those people props because if I were to be surrounded by a bunch of attractive people that were interested in me, I don't know what I'd do. Because if I get a compliment, I'm just like, hey. Yeah, I think I would pass out. Yeah, like, I think so. I'd be out cold. <laughs> and that would be like the season premiere, like, oh, no, she's... <laughs> the producers would be like, oh, this is good. This is the only good thing of this season. <laughs> Oh, uh, man. What's kept you up at night? Well, uh, right before we started to record this, we tried to record this, and my laptop just randomly stopped working. So, I mean, obviously that didn't keep me up this week, but it will certainly keep me up tonight because it was really creepy. Me too. Um, other than that, it's just another crazy work week. 
you know, we're in month seven of a global pandemic. So my, <laughs> that's all. I'm excited to dive in. So let's go. Cool. Yeah. A side note, when Margot's laptop stopped working, we both freaked out. We checked the locks in our apartment and then we saged the apartment. Yeah. So. We started like screaming a little because <laughs> my laptop's at like full battery. So it's not like it was anything yeah. and it's never shut down when we've done this before. And it was right when we were starting to talk about our stories a little bit. And then yeah. it's just like it shut down. And then I got like goosebumps and then we started screaming. So our neighbors probably think we're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. At least. <laughs> Sorry, guys. If you're listening, let us know. I don't, I don't know how they know Please that. don't. <laughs> Can you imagine if we get a knock on our door and be like, are you two the podcasters? <laughs> like, ah. Um, that'll never happen. Okay. So true crime. We're really excited about it. Yeah. So true crime, we want to go about it in a respectful way. We're not here to be like reveling in the sensational details. We want to talk about the victims. We want to be, you know, truthful and respectful. So we're not here for like, I don't know, to be entertained necessarily, but to um, share their stories and hopefully get something larger out of it. That said, we will be offering any trigger warnings, whether it's about, you know, the type of death or if there was mental illness or abuse involved. And then if appropriate, we will also provide resources for anyone who may need it. You're not alone. It's okay to not be okay. Again, we just want to be respectful in in that manner and let you guys know ahead of time. If we do have a trigger warning and it makes you uncomfortable, you can skip ahead to the next episode or the next section of the podcast or we'll let you know like fast forward 15 seconds or whatever anyway yeah we can also put it in the show notes so that said please will you please tell me a story i'd love to hear it yes i can (laughs) uh real quick i want to talk briefly about last episode i covered the tulsa race massacre and one of my friends um, matt who used to live in tulsa let me know that The Tulsa hip-hop scene is currently in the middle of a project called Fire in Little Africa, which commemorates the 100th anniversary of the massacre with an album, a podcast, videos, and more. So you can go to fireinlittleafrica.com and see what they have going on there. They have a shop. You can donate. It's a really cool project. So yeah, check that out. And thanks to Matt for listening. We appreciate you. Thanks, Matt. All right. So getting into my story now, um, I want to... First, give some content warnings. Uh, this story involves sexual assaults and violence and murder, uh, specifically of children. Oof. Yeah. So skip ahead or skip to the next episode if you don't want to hear about that. All right. So I'm going to talk about the abduction and murder of Jacob Wetterling. And I want to give a shout out to my friend Kirsten, who introduced me to the podcast In the Dark by American Public Media. We listened to it together uh, when we were on a mini road trip recently. And she's from Minnesota, so she um, knows about this case as well. So thanks for introducing me to this. Um, And let's get started. Thanks, Kirsten. Jacob Irwin Wetterling was born on February 17th, 1978, and grew up in St. Joseph, Minnesota, about 75 miles northwest of Minneapolis. He loved steak, football, and the color blue, and he had three siblings. And I did get a lot of this information from In the Dark podcast, so I highly recommend you check that out. 
So on October 22nd, 1989, Jacob was 11 years old. His parents left for a party in the early evening, about 20 miles from their home. And before 8.30 p.m., Jacob's brother Trevor calls their parents on a landline. I Um, remember those. Yeah, had to call and ask to talk to them instead of like cell phones and texting and FaceTime. Or back in my day, smoke signals. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, those were all the rage that was when really we were lame. kids. Oh my god! <laughs> Carrier pigeons or Ouija board? N- no. Uh, oh no, we don't oh. talk about that. <laughs> Shut down. We're going to talk about that on another episode. <laughs> anyway, yes, so, I remember phone anxiety. Can I talk yeah. to my mom? I know. Or like when you call your friends and their parents would answer and be like, "Can I talk to so and so?" Or it's like, "Does Can your mom want to talk to my mom?" <laughs> Oh, what a simpler time that was. Seriously, though, I think everyone's quality of life was better. Anyway. Perhaps. So Trevor calls his and Jacob's parents at their party to ask permission for him, Jacob, and their friend Aaron Larson to ride their bikes down to the Tom Thumb convenience store to rent a movie. I just, you know, have very fond memories of renting movies. Oh, for sure. At, like, Blockbuster, Sky Video. Sky Video. That's what we did... When it was still there, I think, on my, like, I don't know, like, 16th birthday or 17th birthday, oh, we, yeah. we rented the ring. Oh, my God. <laughs> I remember that. And the scene where the horse jumps off the ferry, oh. that, like, scarred me. Yeah. I remember you just looked so traumatized. I'm like, I'm sorry, Elizabeth. I forgot about oh. that part. I'm a horse girl, guys. <laughs> uh, that was how I wanted to celebrate my birthday. Surrounded by people I love watching a terrifying movie. Doesn't get much better than that. Ah, so, yeah. So, they ask permission to go to the Tom Thumb convenience store. It's already dark out. It's fall, late late October. So, they call to ask permission to ride their bikes down to the Tom Thumb. Uh, his mom says no. Then they ask their dad. And he says, yeah, as long as you wear, like, reflective vests and flashlights and everything. Typical. Because it's super dark out. And the road where they ride down is kind of remote. It goes straight into town, but there's not a lot on the road. Sure. So around 8.30 p.m., the three boys, Jacob, Trevor, and Aaron, ride their bikes to the Tom Thumb convenience store, which is less than a mile and a half away, and rent the movie The Naked Gun. And they leave the Tom Thumb then around 9 p.m. Now, around 9.20, they're riding their bikes back and... A man comes out onto the road and stops in front of them and tells them to get throw their bikes in a ditch and lie face down on the ground. Oh, God. Yeah. And so while they're lying on the ground, he asks each boy his age. First, he asks his brother Trevor, who was 10, and then he tells Trevor to run into the woods or else and not look back or else he would shoot him oh my god and then he asks their friend Aaron who was 11 and he he looks at their faces Aaron and Jacob and he tells Aaron to run into the woods the same thing or else and don't look back or else he'll shoot him and once Aaron gets into the woods he looks back doesn't see anything and they never see Jacob again oh my god yeah so this is the last time Jacob was seen alive so then Aaron and Trevor run back to Jacob and Trevor's house and 
their neighbor, Merlin Jorzak, his daughter is babysitting their younger sister at the house. And they tell her, she calls her dad, he calls 911. And then seven minutes after the 911 call, the sheriff's deputy arrives at the house. And around 10 p.m., a search begins with dogs and a helicopter conducting an investigation of the surrounding area. Oh, my God. That's that's so terrifying. Searchers then call off the search around 3 a.m. because it's too dark. And the case was not solved for 27 years. Oh, my God. And no one knew what happened to Jacob. There were all of these searches and leads and everything and really the the podcast in the dark is really good highly recommend um what they focus on a lot is just the ineptitude of the police department in the county where it happens Stearns County because I won't get into this this is for another episode but they had a bunch of cases over the decades, violent cases of abduction and murder and sexual assault that they just never solved because they bungled the investigation, basically. They were just really bad at investigating. Um, In this little town, like all this stuff was going on. Yeah, and no one was really ever held accountable for (sighs) messing up these investigations. So one quote from the podcast is... That the Stearns County Sheriff's Office, quote, has quite a reputation for horrendous investigations, false accusations, and leaving families in the dark. And the questions that arise then are, quote, what's going on down there? Why can't anybody solve crimes? And why is everything such a secret? So after that, the police are, you know, investigating. They're trying to find out who took Jacob, what happened to him. But really, they messed up in some very important ways they didn't talk to everyone who on the street even in like right after it happened they didn't search um properties nearby so the gravel driveway where the man popped out of to like stop them um there's a farm at the end of that driveway and (laughs) bro (laughs) so uh, some some more information about that um this guy named dan rassier lived at that farm it was his family's farm and how old was he he was i want to say he was 34 okay uh, he was a band music teacher who lived at the farm at the end of the gravel driveway where jacob was kidnapped very mild mannered his students called him mr bebop <laughs> bebop ba doo boop bop bop zawop that was beautiful i was not in choir if i could snap i would snap but i can't oh oh Showing off. Damn it. It's the one thing I can't do that you can't. I can't whistle either. Can you whistle? Stop. Oh, stop. I'm just a woman of many talents. So Mr. Boobop. Yeah. So Mr. Bebop, a.k.a. Dan Razier, he, at the time, that night on October 22nd, 1989, he was cataloging his record collection, which is super nerdy. I love that. I love that, though. I have a record collection. Um, and he saw a car pull quickly into his driveway and turn around. And then later that night, he saw a different car do the same thing. Uh. And then later that night, he was woken up by his dog and saw people with flashlights outside. And he thought that they were like thieves oh. after his wood pile. Um, oh. <laughs> I mean, that, I guess I, if you if you need wood. You, you can. I mean, if the first thing I want to go to jail for yeah. is stealing right wood wood if it's cedar 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Important. I love the way cedar smells, okay? Important. Yeah. So- I mean, reasonably so, though. Like, if I, if I you know, yeah. was woken up by a bunch of people with flashlights, that would be the first thought I had. Right. Like, who are these people? Why are they on my property? I live in the middle of nowhere. What do they want? Um, so he was freaked out. He called 911. Good. And then 911, or the operator, I guess, told him that there had been an abduction and that that was a search party and he was like okay so he went outside and he talked to the sheriff's deputy um and a few other people and he went back inside and in later interviews he said he wishes that he had talked to them more and invited them to search his property more extensively okay um we'll get back to that later um and then right right after the abduction they started interviewing him. They searched his car. They gave him a lie detector test. They even hypnotized him. They were really intent on, like, he had something to do with this. They, Yeah. So they wanted to pin something on him. Is it because basically. they didn't have, like, anything else to go off of? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, we'll get back to that in a second. So, yeah. So they didn't really do all the things that investigators should do. And they have a history of this. This isn't a new thing. But everyone in the town was like, how could this happen in their sleepy little town? Well, actually, a lot of bad things have happened in your sleepy little town. Of course. That have not been solved. Okay. After the abduction, four months later, his parents, uh, Jacob's parents, Jerry and Patty, uh, founded the Jacob Wetterling Foundation. It's an advocacy group for children's safety. And in the meantime, they were working with investigators. They had, uh, like, a phone system in their house where people could literally call them, like, themselves and talk to them with tips and stuff. So his dad, Jerry, kind of went down this wormhole with psychics. Like, tons of people would call and tell them they were psychics and they knew what happened to Jacob. I feel like that's really weird. Yeah, it's weird and, like pretty mean that is really mean like like get a hobby okay but they were so desperate that like they took anything jerry was like yeah and his wife patty didn't want anything to do with the psychics so she was more like trying to find facts and everything okay i'm i'm gonna derail this is me tiptoeing in but i used to work in sales and one time i had to cold call someone who is a psychic don't ask why but I was literally so afraid I was like if I if she's this person's gonna know everything about like I was it was the call I was like the most afraid to make and I don't know why and then she was like talking to me and she's like I can tell you're reading a script right now and I'm like I'm gonna hang up I don't I don't need it I'm fine I don't I don't want your could she tell by your voice or because she was a psychic probably I uh I, I mean I was very new it was yeah. like, anyway, whatever. But I had to call, like, sometimes I had to call psychics for my old job in the sales role. <laughs> Not going to say what it is. Anyway, I just yeah. remember being really scared. And then I uh, told my boss at the time, like, are they going to know? Like, are they going to read my mind? And then she looked at me, my boss, and she goes, no, Margo, just call them. And I'm like, okay, sorry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Oh, my God. So, yeah. Um. So, psychics. Um, yeah, so Jerry was going down this rabbit hole with psychics. Um, Jacob's mom, Patty, was working with investigators, trying to find the facts. And they helped pass the 1994 
Federal Jacob Wetterling Act, which was the first law to institute a state sex offender registry. Well, thank goodness for that. Because that there was no registry. But actually in the podcast, highly recommend um, Patty kind of goes into that and she regrets some aspects of that. And she, she's really gotten to know a lot of people on the list. Like she'll visit prisons and stuff and talk to them. And it's like kind of changed her perspective a little bit. It's super interesting. That is really interesting. So this whole time, nothing's being solved. And one other like side note case that's important to this case is that 10 months before the Wetterling abduction, on January 13th, 1989, um, 12-year-old Jared Sherrill, I, I hope I'm saying that correctly, was kidnapped, sexually assaulted, and physically threatened by an unknown adult man. Hmm. The, the man who did this to him um, had a gun, and when he released him, he told him to run and not look back or else he would shoot him. What the... the um... So it's the same thing he said to to Trevor and Aaron the night that he abducted Oh my Jacob. gosh, dude. Like, do you see my arm? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's 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 chilling. And then before that, um, but between the summer of 1986 and the spring of 1987, five teenage boys were attacked and, like, sexually assaulted. Oh my god. Um, around a town called Painesville, which is near where Jacob was um, abducted. Oh, my God. So, yeah. I'm not going to get into the details of that case, um, but it really affected uh, Jared, who was the victim there. He said he slept on his parents' floor for the first year after because he was so traumatized. Oh, my God. Poor kid. Yeah. Um, How old was he? He was th- uh, 12. Oh, my God. That doesn't... I mean, age doesn't make it any better, but... Uh... Yeah. Poor kid. Yeah. So these two cases are seemingly connected. And then there were all these other attacks as well in the area. All right. So let's go back real quick to Dan Rassier. He was Mr. Bebop, the guy who lived <laughs> the guy who lived at the farm at the end of the gravel driveway. Was he a robot? Um, maybe. I cannot I can neither <laughs> confirm call him, nor deny. Was Bebop like a it was probably like some I don't Well, he was a music teacher, that's why. Okay, I so think. I feel like he, wasn't he organizing his records? So maybe yep. he was like going through his jazz albums, you know? Oh, yeah. He was like. Definitely. No, I think it's like big band albums he was into. That's so great. I know. I love I Glenn love Miller. That. Anyway. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm done. I am so, okay. Go on. So uh, Mr. bebop Right. So as I mentioned before, uh, right after Jacob's abduction, they really wanted to pin something on him because, you know, he lived at the house at the end of the road where it happened. Like, why Why not? Of course he's a suspect. So they started interviewing him. They searched his car. They He took a lie detector test. They hypnotized him at one point. I don't know. I didn't know that the, the police hypnotize people, but I guess they do. Now, something I will throw in about hypnosis is that you cannot do something that you think would morally be wrong. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, if you're being hypnotized like you can like jump around like a monkey but you would not like harm someone like or whatever anyway yeah well I guess the hypnosis didn't do what they wanted it to because (laughs) after that they kind of left him alone and then in 2003 so quite a while later a random guy named Kevin 
Hi, Kevin. Um, Hi, Kevin. <laughs> said that he had turned around in Dan Rasser's driveway. around every <laughs> Okay, so Kevin. Yeah. So in 2003, a guy named Kevin, a uh, random guy, said he turned around in Dan Rasser's driveway the night of the abduction. So remember, he saw two cars come mm-hmm. in and turn around. And they were different cars. And they were different cars. And so the police, upon hearing Kevin's statement had a theory all of a sudden that the kidnapper had to have been on foot. And so they suspected Dan again. Even though Dan kept telling them, no, I saw a second car, it was a small blue car, and they didn't believe him. Those jerks. And they didn't, or they didn't think it was relevant. So basically, from then on, they interrogated him mercilessly, tried to urge him to confess. In 2010, the sheriff's office searched the farm again. They brought a backhoe and removed... I'm sorry, what? Like one of those big construction thingies <laughs> i don't know okay. i'm not a constraint i don't know anything um but it's a you know one of those things you drive and that digs things up like and, a scoopy yeah like, yeah like the thing that it was tearing down our neighbor's house oh my god yeah okay like that okay and they removed six dump truck loads of dirt like among other things and they took some of his stuff too what um the heck but they found nothing connecting him to the crime but like even so one of the parents at one of his schools where he taught requested that a paraprofessional be present to supervise his classes because he was like under so much suspicion. The police named him a person of interest and it basically ruined his life. Um, Mr. Bebop. Yeah. So he he's still bitter about it. Um, his He taught music lessons privately and like his students stopped coming. Aww. He couldn't date because if you Google his name, like what comes up, he's Mr. a suspect Bebop. in this. Oh murder investigation oh my god this poor guy he couldn't even sell things on craigslist because people would google his address and it this would come up so basically his life was ruined um i'll get back to that also later there's a lot to do with dan rice here so i mean 27 years are going by what's going on who actually did this so jared Going back, there's so many players in this story. It's really complicated. So Jared, the boy who was sexually assaulted pretty recently before um, Jacob was abducted. In the next town over. In the next town over. As an adult, he heard that there had been a string of assaults in the mid to late 80s. And there was a man that the kids called Chester the Molester. Oh. Who leapt from behind bushes and groped at least eight boys. I'm sorry. How is he not a suspect? <laughs> well, um, so Jared Cheryl began... How convenient, though, that his name rhymes with that. Was it actually Chester? No. Oh. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been... If they knew who he was, that would have been convenient. Oh, but okay. So the... It was like a nickname that the kids called him. I... Which, um... like... Like, for that to happen so often that the kids have a nickname for and, him. And, like, no one... And no one thought to be like, oh, these might be related, or... Hmm, let's but let's look at Mr. Bebop. Right. Even though there's no evidence. Right. And we'll just... Chester... Oh, that's cute. It sounds like a cartoon character. My, back to my <laughs> suspicion of... Right. Ugh. It's... Yeah. Jared heard about these things, and he got curious he was like are these assaults linked to mine was it the same person so he kind of started to investigate on his own urged victims to come forward he met a lot of them uh, interviewed them researched sat through hearings and he kind of got the jump on the investigation so who actually committed this crime the question that evaded investigators 
for 27 years. So in October of 2015. Oh, recently. Yeah, really recently. A guy named Danny Heinrich was named as a person of interest in Jacob Wetterling's disappearance. So back in 1989, he had been questioned by the FBI in December of that year. And they took a DNA sample from him, but he wasn't charged with anything and he was released. And he was a suspect in like a few cases. He was kind of like a weird dude. He was known to the police, but they could never, they never really had anything on him. So they would always let him go. But in 2015, his DNA was matched to DNA taken in Jared's case. Where he oh, was sexually shit. assaulted. So they knew that it was him who sexually assaulted and kidnapped Jared. And um, however, the statute of limitations had passed, so they could not arrest or charge him for that crime. Oh, no. Yep. Mm-hmm. However, however, uh, that granted police a search warrant, which is good. Okay. And I mean, okay. okay. So they searched his house. Uh, this guy, Danny Heinrich. And what did they find? They probably, probably not good things, Mm-mm. I'm guessing. So they found, among other things, child pornography. Oh, no. Not really surprising, but... I, I kind of thought we were going there. Incredibly unfortunate. Um, and this is... <laughs> this really creeped me out. Four bins of boys' clothing. No. In the basement. No. And in the kitchen, in a drawer, a set of handcuffs. Oh, no. Next to a roll of duct tape. Oh, my God. Fuck. And also hours and hours of videos. Uh. So VHS, VHS tapes of young boys engaged in routine activities like delivering newspapers, playing on the playground, and riding bicycles. They appeared to have been filmed by Danny Heinrich, um, some with a hidden camera. I'm going to throw up. And what he would do is he would, like, go up to an apartment building and drop a coin on the stairs and, like, stand back and watch paper boys as they came up to bend down and pick it up, and he would film it. That is disgusting. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, In 1991, (laughs) there were calls to the police about a strange man watching school children in a small blue car. And a, a blue car, there it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And following paper boys, they pulled him over, the Stearns County police. Um, it was Danny Heinrich, but he wasn't breaking any traffic laws. Um, so actually, they didn't pull him over. I'm sorry. They found his car. He was driving, but they didn't pull him over because he wasn't breaking any traffic laws. Oh, my God. Yeah, the police didn't really talk to anyone who knew Danny Heinrich, even though he was an early spe- suspect in the case. They, they, He was known to them a little bit of background on him he was like kind of a weird kid super indecisive but he wasn't like asocial he had friends as an adult and he did like manual labor I don't remember what company he worked for at the time he was arrested but he openly talked for 11 years on the job about being investigated for the Jacob Wetterling case so I mean there isn't like a I don't have a ton of notes basically about what happened in the early days of the Wetterling case in terms of Danny Heinrich, I just know that they, you know, brought him in for questioning a couple of times and he was on their lists, but nothing really happened to him because they couldn't prove it. So he evaded them for a while. So Danny Heinrich, uh, his DNA was matched to the Jared, Jared's case. 
they went into his house, they found all this terrible stuff, and so they knew that he was involved in Jacob's case. They knew that he was probably the one who killed him. And so what did they do? But they couldn't, they didn't have proof of that, right? Like they had what, this Like suspicion. the bins of little boy clothes and the pornography. Right. It's like really bad, but they couldn't find anything that specifically linked him to Jacob Wetterling. Okay. U.S. Attorney Andy Luger, or Luger, um, made him a deal. He Uh-oh. said that if Danny Heinrich... Um, publicly admitted what he'd done to Jacob and Jared, led them to the spot where he buried Jacob, that Heinrich would not be charged with Jacob's murder, and that prosecutors would drop all but one count of child pornography against him, originally 25 counts. That's a terrible deal. Uh Uh-huh. And so then he would spend 17 to 20 years in prison um, pleading guilty for that one count of child pornography. (sighs) He would have the chance to get out, however... The, the plea deal allows state authorities to seek civil commitment as a sexual predator after he gets out of prison, which could prevent him from ever going free, which is good. But, yeah, so he confessed to Jacob's murder, and I actually have the transcript of his confession. So I'm going to read parts of it, and this is really graphic, so Trigger warning if you don't like, I mean... Okay, maybe fast forward a minute if you are sensitive. Yeah. So he said um, on October 22nd, 1989, he was driving on a road, a dead-end road. He noticed three children on their bicycles with a flashlight. He pulled into his driveway, and they passed him. They were on their way to the Tom Thumb. So he pulled into the driveway, turned around, Dan Rassier's driveway, and faced the direction of the road and waited. And then 20 minutes later, they came back. He stepped out of the car. He put a mask on. He reached for his revolver. He proceeded onto the road and confronted them, told them to get into the ditch with their bicycles. They cooperated, and he asked their names and ages. Then he said they offered him a tape, like the VHS tape, and he knocked that down, and they tried to shine a flashlight in his face, and he told them not to do that. Then he told Trevor and Aaron to run away and not look back or he would shoot, and he took Jacob back to his car. He handcuffed him behind his back and put him in the front passenger seat after that jacob said to him what did i do wrong oh no Mm -hmm. and then they drove um, out of saint joseph they drove around a lot and he had the police scanner on in his car to avoid them and he decided to head back to his hometown of painesville um because he heard a lot of police activity he told jacob to lean down in the seat so that no one could see him and once they got out of St. Joseph, um, he told them he could sit back up. Then they went to Painesville, where he lived, where Heinrich lived. He turned onto a sewage road where there's a field next to a grove of trees and like a gravel area, gravel pit. They got out of the car, unhandcuffed him, sexually assaulted him. I'm not going to go into that. Um, mm. You can read the transcript if you want. So he told him to put his clothes back on, and he asked if he was taking him home. And he said, I can't take you all the way home. You live too far away. And then Jacob started to cry. And he told him not to cry. And then on the way back to the car, Danny Heinrich saw a police patrol car that came down the road with its lights on but no siren. And he panicked. So he pulled the gun out of his pocket, told Jacob to turn around. He had to go to the bathroom. And so he turned around. And then he shot him. Oh, my God. 
Then Danny Hendrick went home and came back after about an hour. He needed to bury him and he his shovel was too small. So he went to the construction site next door and got a bobcat, like mm-hmm. one of the bulldozer like constru- things. Yeah. Turned on the lights, turned on the bobcat, dug a grave and buried him, like in this noisy machine with its lights on. Well, so. I guess some people are just really heavy sleepers. I've- yeah, so he did that. Then he went home. Then a year later, actually, he went back to the area and found that the grave had kind of been uncovered. Like, you could see part of Jacob's jacket. He was wearing this red jacket. And so he gathered up his bones in his jacket and buried him in a field across the street. And that's where he led investigators uh, when he was arrested in 2015. So, damn. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I'm like going to cry. Okay. Yeah, it's really, really terrible. Um, he was charged, of course, uh, 20 years in prison for one count of child pornography. Might be able to get out in 17 when he'll be in his early 70s. He's now in a federal prison in Massachusetts. Wait, he's he might be able to get out in 2017? No, no, um, in 17 years. Sorry. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so he, yes, then he also admitted to kidnapping and sexually assaulting Jared as well. So the question is, were there other victims in his, in Danny Hendrick's statement at his sentencing, he mentioned other victims, but as part of his plea bargain, he only has to admit and talk about Jacob and Jared. Like they can't ask him questions about anyone else. (sighs) So those other victims presumably will never get justice for that which is pretty messed up so are there like other missing children i know that you said that there was like a lot of cases about like Mm -hmm. herbert the pervert or i'm sorry chester Chester the the molester molester. yeah (laughs) but um yeah so like are there other missing children are there other like things they can leak but tell me you're the pro here that's that's like the question right like because he mentioned other victims you know, like, obviously, there are all those other assaults, but um, as far as murders and stuff, the police don't know, and they're not going to look into it because of the plea deal. It's, like, a really messed up I feel deal. like that that's not justice, then, no, you know, like... it's not. But, the, I mean, the, the attorney at the time said that he thought it was the best deal possible because they didn't have proof and he wouldn't have well, admitted well, to it. Well, at the time, I thought it was great. I know. Oh, it's just... God. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I'm not in law enforcement. Like, I I don't know, but it just seems pretty... I don't know, pretty lenient. So, yeah. Um, this case really changed the way that kids in Minnesota were allowed to, like, play and be outside and do things. Like, p- parents all of a sudden were like, no, you can't go there by yourself. Like, right. you have to, you know, be a little more... Um, Cautious, cautious for sure. Can't go out past yeah. like nine or whatever. I don't. Yeah, that's sad. Too. I mean, like they were with a group of other kids. You know, you think you're like safe in numbers and. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, and the the quote, one of the quotes from a podcast that really got to me was, "There are no perfect crimes, only failed investigations, mm. and the perfect crime is just an excuse for the failure of law enforcement, and we buy it." So. Damn. Yeah, I mean, after 27 years, the sheriff's office was like, yeah, like, you know, this guy was a perfect criminal. He evaded us for all this time. But really, if they had looked a little bit harder, there were lots of people who were aware of Danny Heinrich, 
and he talked about being investigated and you know people had seen things and they never talked to these people so yeah it's it was kind of a failure on the part of law enforcement that was not new because there were a lot of other crimes in the county that um they did a shoddy job solving and which they never solved so yeah um that's the abduction and murder of jacob wetterling by the way dan rassier the guy who they thought did it who actually didn't do it sued the sheriff's office but they dismissed the case but he just he he appealed it this year so okay more to come they're working on it so i was gonna ask what happened to mr boobop so thank you yeah but he can't get those 27 years of his life back (sighs) no Mm -mm. no one cannot yeah oh so tell me your story (laughs) i'm gonna go to bed okay no uh okay shit Thanks. You're welcome. For that. That was a great way to kick off true True crime. crime. (laughs) I mean, it's not a happy topic, like true crime. No, it's not. I can't. Especially when children are involved. I know. know. It's um, It's just so sad. They're just so innocent. Oh, okay. I know. And, like, he never really got justice because the guy wasn't charged for his murder. So... Yeah. Anyway. Rest in peace. Go on. Shit. All right. So I'm going to tell you about this this wild ride. Okay. I'm ready. So this is the death of Elisa Lamb. Okay. You ever heard of it? No. You, I don't know. You might, but we're going back to a wonderful time of 2013. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And this okay, story is really so long ago. eerie because okay. I, anyway, so this is the, the death of Elisa Lamb. And a lot of my sources come from Wikipedia, mm-hmm. uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved, LA Times, people.howstuffworks.com, mm-hmm. and medium.com. Thank you. Trigger warning, this post does talk about mental health and, mm. and some disorders, so... Elisa Lamb was a 21-year-old student at the University of British Columbia, Vancouver. She was Canadian? She was Canadian. A. A. So we got an oofda and an A. <laughs> Those northerners. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> sure. And then we're just like, whoop, I'm going to squeeze past you and grab the ranch. Oop. Whoop. <laughs> Oof. Okay. <laughs> we need some laughter in here. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Um, we're going we're gonna to sage it out. At the end of this. Uh, So, in early 2013, Elisa Lamb decided to take a solo trip around the west coast of America to get away from her studies. Mm -hmm. She primarily traveled via Amtrak, and her family at first was pretty hesitant to have her travel alone, but they eventually agreed so long as she promised to call them every single day to make sure that she was safe, which is smart. That makes sense. Yeah. So in 2013, Elizabeth and I graduated. Oh my God, that was the same year. Yeah, <gasps> that's why I, this one kind of gives me goosebumps. Oh no. Um, oh my God. Okay, backstory. But Elizabeth and I and our friend Mitch graduated from high school in 2013, and we went on a, an entire trip to Germany by ourselves. 
I don't know how our parents let us do that. I still don't know. I thought, I mean, we were really responsible, I, I thought. Yeah, it was but a good trip. It was a really fun time. We spent a month there, and we only yelled at each other once in a room <laughs> filled with pink hearts. It was, uh, anyway. Um, good times. No, we, we always got along. We never yelled. Anyway, yeah. it was right. a long day. <laughs> we we forgot to umstagen or whatever. Anyway. Almost. So smart parents, you yeah. know, wanting to make sure she checks in every day and so on January 26, 2013, Elisa checked into the Cecil Hotel located in downtown Los Angeles. Oh, wait. I do know the story. Yeah. <gasps> oh, yeah. Okay. Tell me. Keep okay. going. Sorry. Do you want me to stop? Because you already know it. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding. That sounded going. so bitchy. I'm sorry. Do you want me to, <laughs> want me to stop? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to? <laughs> do you want to tell it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> that wasn't what I meant. I'm sorry. No. I'm just... I'm uh, I'm stressed out from your... I'm sorry. Mine was... Yeah, okay. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. The year was 2013. No. Okay. I'm sorry. So good parents mm-hmm. um, wanted to make sure she checked in every day, which is really smart. Mm-hmm. So on January 26, Elisa checked into the CISO Hotel located in downtown Los Angeles. So originally, she was given a, a co-ed room, like a, a shared room on the fifth floor Mm-hmm. But her roommates complained about having odd behavior. Oh, no. So Elisa was moved to her own room uh, after two days. Do you know what the odd behavior was? Well, she did have bipolar disorder. Okay. So I'm not sure if it was related to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't, in any of the articles I specified, it ju- mm-hmm. it just said, quote, unquote, odd behavior, which okay. I mean, like, if I were someone room someone's roommate, they would probably be like this girl's really freaking weird um, i am your roommate yeah so what do you think <laughs> no comment no i'm kidding she smells like salami <laughs> you want to go <laughs> let's start this now we, we've gone so long we've never had a fight anyway no, okay. no i love you oh, i love you too me. okay okay we made up it's okay <laughs> um so yeah you actually beat me to my next bullet so something something to note is she had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder mm-hmm. and depression and was taking different medications but mm-hmm. a- according to wikipedia her family actually didn't know about her mental illness because she didn't share this with them mm-hmm. i mean she's an adult you know yeah um, yeah the other airy thing to me is lamb also had a blog post in tumblr she was very active on she would repost models um you know quotes like I never had a Tumblr because you and Mitch always told me about what a time suck it was. So, <laughs> oh, I had a Tumblr. I was deep, deep in Tumblr mania. So it it's also really weird though because I actually found it. You found her. Tumblr. I found her Tumblr, and it's just really sad <gasps> oh because God. she was like talking about how excited she was That's to so go travel weird. and. Oh, at, no. So she, on her Tumblr and on her blog, um, her blog was called ether fields mm-hmm. um i don't know if that was like a, a stage name <laughs> um or <laughs> yeah there we go um she did like post you know kind of like how you do i don't mm-hmm. know how tumblr worked but she would like repost things like you know fashion or really arty things mm-hmm. um she would also openly like discuss dealing with mental illness and a year prior to her trip she actually posted about a relapse she had after the start of her current semester and she sort of had a breakdown and had to drop several classes oh. which i get you know i yeah i hear you sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do 
and you know I I feel like there's a lot of pressure to like have everything figured out or if like mm-hmm. classes don't work or sometimes it's, it's the wrong teacher like you know we've all been there so mm-hmm. I totally I totally hear you girl but according to the blog post this event made her feel as if she lost all direction and she felt totally lost and the title of the post was quote you are always haunted by the idea that you are wasting your life oh. which is a quote from the novelist Chuck Palahniuk, really eerie quote. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, we've all been there. Like, I had the sophomore slump for sure. And, you oh know, that's God, kind yeah. of when you don't know if what you're doing is right. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess she, like, made a lot of pressure for herself, which, girl, again, I get it. I, I know. Yeah. we <sighs> So normal. Because of this, she was worried that if she were to continue to drop classes, it would look really bad on her transcript and she couldn't get into grad school. Mm. Yeah, so like I said, her her blog post and everything is still up. Oh, my God. <sighs> anyway, so it's just really sad to, like, go back and, and like, I, I went through, like, kind of a rabbit hole of it. Mm-hmm. and Oh, no. Mm, so it, that just makes it so much more real, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we talk about ghosts and stuff, and that's, like, mm-hmm. theory kind of. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, like, allegedly a ghost, but this was, like, a, a human. Any- yeah. <laughs> anyway, this it's heavy. Four days after checking into the hotel on February 1st, her family did not hear from her. So oh, no. she, they called LAPD right away. And members of her family actually flew to LA to, to help with the search. And on February 1st was the day she was supposed to check out and, and head to her new destination. I think it was Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. So the hotel staff was questioned and any anyone around the area or guests or or whatever were questioned if they'd seen her or any any information obviously and all the hotel staff or anyone that had seen her said that she was alone so it's not like you know she met someone or or anything like that like she was just by herself were her clothes still there or like her stuff do you know Mm -hmm. oh yeah oh no there was a a bookstore across the street, and this is kind of eerie because it was called The Last Bookstore. Um, um, uh, and the okay. shop owner said that Lamb was a very polite, outgoing, and lively, friendly person. She was in there to get gifts for her family, and she was, like, debating with the store owner if she, like, should buy this book or not because she didn't know if it would make it too heavy to carry on her own. So that's really sad. Yeah. Police searched all throughout the Cecil, but they did not find a trace of her. They used search dogs. They checked the roof. They checked wherever they, like, legally could. Mm-hmm. Um, but they could not find any trace of her. And they posted, you know, photos and flyers all over L.A. and could not find her. So after weeks of searching with no leads, on February 15th... Mm-hmm. So it's, like, two weeks later. Two weeks later. Mm-hmm. The LAPD released a video of her last known whereabouts, which is a security footage from the inside of the elevator of the hotel. And this is where things get wild. Okay. So. Tell me. This footage was from the night before she was supposed to check out. Mm -hmm. So in the video, she is seen sort of talking to herself. She peeks around the door as if she's like looking for someone or checking to see if someone's there. Oh, no. And then. You know, she's kind of, like, moving back and forth. She's, sh- like, kind of pacing. Oh, I know. Sorry, this is, like, creeping me out. I I told you mine was kind yeah, of creepy. Yeah, this is creeping me out. She's, like, flailing her arms in weird ways. She's rocking mm. back and forth. And then 
it looks like she's talking to someone down the hall. Oh my god! And the the footage is only in the elevator, so you obviously can't see like what's around the corner. So yeah, it looks like she's talking to someone down the hall, and the camera only captures like inside the elevator. There's nothing on the outside or anything, so you can't see of like anyone or anything's there. Yeah. Eventually, she leaves the elevator entirely. But what's really strange about the footage is the elevator door doesn't close at all. Because normally when you're standing in an elevator, the door is open the whole time. But normally it like automatically closes, right? Mm-hmm. So like even as it's moving, the doors are open? So it stays on one floor the whole time. Oh. But like, you know, when you're in an elevator, like the door will automatically close. Yeah. Like the door stayed open the entire time this footage was rolling. Weird. When the video was released to the public, internet sleuths jumped in naturally, as they do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people had different opinions and theories. Do you want me to play the video for you? No. Okay. Sorry, no, I don't. If it was daytime, sure. Yeah, not right now. Okay, so here are the, the different theories that the internet sleuths came up with. So one was she was hiding from someone in the elevator wasn't properly working. So Mm -hmm. she was like paranoid Mm -hmm. that someone was there. The second one suggests that she could have been on like ecstasy or some other kind of party drug. Mm -hmm. The third theory is, you know, because she was bipolar and had depression, she could have had a manic episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And I read that also, like if you have these episodes, sometimes you hallucinate Mm -hmm. if it's, you know, strong enough. Some people argue that the footage was tampered with before being made to the public because she did go, the last time she was seen was on the 31st of January and then her her family like started this on the 1st of February and this mm-hmm. wasn't released until about two weeks later. Oh, yeah. So, and especially because like the elevator door was open the whole time and in the mm-hmm. footage it kind of looks like maybe things were slowed down and... You know, Weird. you guys can can watch it for yourself and write in if you have opinions about it. But it, it's really unsettling to watch. And she's seen wearing this red sweatshirt and it's creepy. The whole mm-hmm. thing is super creepy. The fifth theory mm-hmm. is that some sort of paranormal influence could could be at cause here. Ooh, spooky. So I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but there's this fun little game called the elevator game. And Tell me. Hmm, I think we should play it. No, I don't, I don't I want, think so. No, it's really fun. Okay. Well, tell me about it first. <laughs> no, let's just do it. Come no, on. No, no. Well, <laughs> come on. Trust me. You'll like it. I'm a bad influence. Okay. I would never pressure you to do anything you don't want to do, except I really think we should do this. All right. No pressure. Where? At the, at the Congress Hotel, maybe? Oh, my. You read my mind. <laughs> okay. So the elevator game originated from korea and if you do it properly allegedly you can enter another world so like narnia yes <laughs> banania so tumnus who do we get to meet so tumnus <laughs> give uh, us that what, what do they eat uh turkish that, turkish delight i haven't seen the chronicles of narnia in a really long time so the elevator game is one of those games that are supposed to like kind of scare you, like if you were to play like Bloody Mary mm-hmm. or something. It's like oh, a, that scares me. Yeah, me too. Even still, I would never. Have, oh, I did as it. a child, oh. but okay, no, I don't. Yeah, it's like one of those games it. that are like you know, it's 
probably not real, but you freak mm-hmm. yourself out anyway. Mm-hmm. So here's how you play. Okay, I'm ready. Step number one, find a building with at least 10 floors. Okay? Okay. Okay, step number two is make sure you are alone and that no one joins you in the elevator no, throughout no the place. entire process. Otherwise, you have to start over. Okay? Step okay. number three. Press the button to the fourth floor. Don't get out. Then go to the second floor, the sixth floor, the second floor, and the tenth floor. Do not get out at any of these floors. Okay. Okay? Then you go to the fifth floor. There, a young woman could come in the elevator with you. Do not speak to her. Do not look at her, even though she may look familiar. Oh my god, is it like the girl from the ring or something? That's what I vision when I think of it. Samara. But I hate the fact that she might look familiar. Step number five, press the button for the first floor. If you press the first floor, but the elevator goes to the 10th floor, remain in the elevator. You're still in the game. If you press the button to the first floor, but the elevator goes to the first floor, exit the moment the doors open. Do not speak or look back, which is really fucking creepy because isn't that what one guy said? Uh, Step number eight. Once you reach the 10th floor, you can choose to get off or stay. If you choose to get off, the woman from step four may ask you a question or even call your name. Do not answer her. Oh, my God. Now you have reached the other world. To know for sure if you are there, the sign is that you are the only one there. Um, now, how to get back? Uh, okay. <laughs> how, how do we get back to the real world? Please tell me. <laughs> it makes me think of that episode of SpongeBob where, like, Squidward's like, alone. Alone. Oh, yeah. Alone. Oh, my God. And it happened in an elevator. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God. So here's how you get back if, if you don't if you don't like it. So return to the exact elevator you came from and press the same order of the buttons mentioned before. Finish. What if you forget the order? I know, right? Like I don't remember. I think it was like two, six, four, two. Uh, I don't. Let me check. I don't know. <clears throat> I need to get this like tattooed on myself so I, I never. Forget. Two six two, ten. Two six two ten. Okay. Two. Wait, two, six, two, ten. So six plus two plus two is ten. So two, six, two. Two plus six plus two is ten. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We solved it. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So go back in the elevator. You came from. It has to be the same one. And you have to press the buttons in order. What is it? Two, six, two, ten. Yeah. Ah. Okay. And then you finish at the fifth floor. Again, Mm -hmm. so after 10, you go to 5. Okay. Once you are on the 5th floor, press the button for the 1st floor. However, this will cause the elevator to go to the 10th floor. So, you must press any button on the floor, like, before then, Mm -hmm. before you hit the 10th floor. So, you have to press, like, any button to make it stop. Mm -hmm. Once you're on the 1st floor, make sure everything around you is, is all right. If something is not normal... Remain in the elevator and repeat the last step. Okay. Okay. And then you're back. Okay. 
Do you want to play? No. Are you convinced? Uh, well, no, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm okay. (laughs) I'm good, but thank you. All right. So that was that was a theory, like maybe Mm -hmm. because you know because she was acting so strange in the elevator, like it looked like she was talking to herself and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Like this kind of like went crazy viral especially in like asian countries i think in china like in the first like three days it had like 10 million views or something oh my goodness don't quote me on that but it was something crazy like that so time goes on they still can't find her right and eventually hotel guests start to complain about low water pressure and the color is even black and it has an unusual taste (gasps) oh my god Oh my god. I don't know why you're freaking out. It's just <laughs> Um okay, keep going. So so they released the video on the 15th, right? Mhm. On the morning of February 19th, 2013, a maintenance worker found Lamb's body in one of the four of the 1000 gallon water tanks on the roof of the hotel. Oh no. The tank was a water source for the guest bedrooms. The kitchen and even a coffee shop. Oh my god! She was found naked and face up, and the clothes she was wearing in the surveillance video were floating beside her in the tank. Oh no! Nobody knows how she ended up there. The doors to the roof were locked, and you needed like staff codes and a key and stuff to open it, and the alarms would have gone up. That's so weird. So. No alarms were triggered the night she disappeared. The tanks are also 10 feet tall, and you would need a ladder to get up there, and there was no ladder found or anything like that. And also the the lids of the water tanks weighed 20 pounds. Oh, my God. The lids were also not hinged, so it would be impossible for her to, like, basically get it back on because she was in there, right? Like, they found right the lid was on. Yeah. And uh, there was, like, a foot of water between. So, like, you know, uh-huh. she would float. It's not like, you know, it went all the way to the top of the... Oh, my God. This is giving me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. It's a... Oh, my God. So, to get her out, they had to drain the tank and cut it open from the side. Like, they could not get her out, like, oh without God. doing so. So, that's also, like, a really weird theory. Like... If they can't even get her out, like, how did she get herself in there? And aside from the clothes, her room key and her watch was there, but her phone was never found. Oh, my God. So, and also there was, like, a sand-like particle flowing around in the water, too, which is super weird. That's really weird. Because, like, a couple weeks had had passed, she was also moderately decomposed and bloated, and her skin was kind of green. So, what happened? The official autopsy report said that she died from accidental drowning. Mm-hmm. According to autopsy reports, there were no evidence of physical trauma, sexual assault, or suicide. Mm-hmm. So because she was decomposing and there was not enough blood like in her body, mm-hmm. they couldn't really do a full report according to the coroner's office. So some theories... To explain, like, why she was behaving that day was, I said earlier, she did have bipolar disorder and she was taken for different medications. Mm-hmm. So people initially thought that she was on, like, psychedelics or, or something like that 
after viewing the footage, but according to the autopsy report, she didn't have any acute drugs or alcohol intoxication. Okay. Intoxication. So drugs did not play a role into into it, according mm-hmm. to the according to the toxicology report. Mm-hmm. Something else to note is that she had four different medications, and she had taken her prescribed stimulant meds, but the stabilizers were not in her system. So that could have left to a manic episode. So she had bipolar and depression. Uh, It was also noted that she had no history of suicidal thoughts or attempts to take her own life. However, bipolar disorder was a contributing factor in the autopsy report. Like that Mm -hmm. was like one of the main factors that they noted. Mm -hmm. There's actually a lot of criticism about the autopsy report because no rape kit was tested. Oh, wow. They also didn't check like her nails for any DNA Mm -hmm. or anything. So it was not like the full report that she kind of deserved, especially because it is so mysterious. Mm -hmm. So it's officially deemed accidental drowning, as I had mentioned, and, and from her bipolar disorder. But the big question is, is how did she end up there? Mm hmm. Because access to the roof is pretty well guarded, the best answer is she could have accessed it from a fire escape, which would be kind of hard to notice. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's doors that say it, but because it's like for emergencies or whatever, like, I guess it's not as protected. So apparently Mm -hmm. she like found a way to the roof that way. Okay. There's a couple of other theories. One was she was murdered. Was it a worker? Was it a guest? Mm -hmm. This seems to be the most plausible just because about how bizarre it is that she ended up there. Right. Um, And, you know, how she closed it by herself. So there is actually one Tumblr post I found. Okay. And it was from, like, one of the nights she should have been there. It wasn't, like, the night she died. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, we don't know, like, when she died, but it wasn't, like, the night she went missing. Mm Mm-hmm. It says, I'm going out tonight. I really hope no creeper comes near me. Seriously, though, those Italian and Mexican guys go after you strong. Slow the slightest indication and they hound you. So that was kind of creepy. So it's yeah. like, was like, did she have a bad encounter? I Yeah. Maybe she, she just, LA is kind of wild. So who knows? Yeah. On January 29th, she posted, I wish I could put my brain into a tape box shut and shove it into the back of my closet for the night. Mm, Which is really sad. I feel that. So something also to note is there were several posts that were made after her death, which kind of freaked out the world. And it could have either been the site's cue option. Oh, yeah. So you can post things like for if you're like planning a trip or if you just you know, life comes up, you know. You can schedule posts ahead of time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or was it because her date was never found and maybe it was from her killer? That seems like a lot of work, though. Yeah, why would you post random stuff to her? Right, unless it was, like, a personal thing and it's like, oh, got to make sure, like, it looks like nothing's wrong, but. Yeah. Hmm. Just, I'm letting you know the theories. Okay. Thank you. Was it paranormal? I mean, the hotel is rumored to be haunted because of its eerie history. And here's, like, some random things about the Cecil, if you didn't know. So Elizabeth Short, do you know who that is? 
the black dahlia yeah she was seen at the hotel a a couple days before she was killed no way yeah oh my god do you know richard ramirez no he is the night stalker and from the 80s and he lived on the top floor while he was an active murderer what Mm -hmm. jack untavega do you know him the Vienna Strangler? Yeah. <laughs> he moved to the hotel. No. I Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's also an unsolved murder at the Cecil in 1964. So it had a lot of bad juju, okay. you know? Just bad vibes. Bad, um, bad vibes. Or could it have been the elevator game? Did it work? Who knows? Wow. So supporters of the elevator game theory suggest that it's normal when you return to your own dimension that you are you know, confused and disoriented, and that Elsa, in her confused state, may have climbed into the water tank by herself. Like, maybe she freaked herself out or, like, but also if she's having, like, a manic episode, like, that makes you do things that you maybe normally wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. So, like, maybe she had, like, really strong strength to lift it. But, like, again, like, if you're floating in water, like, it's really hard to move a 20 pound lid you know so it's just super sketchy that's so weird Um, are are there other accounts of people who've done the elevator game who've gone into other dimensions if you go on reddit (laughs) there's like a bunch of threads where it's like i played the elevator game and i can't get out it's like i've fallen and i can't get up but like i'm in (laughs) a dimension like i'm sorry i didn't do my homework but i just got stuck in another realm or (laughs) i don't know excuses excuses (laughs) yes so the last theory is maybe she committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, most people think that she drowned accidentally, and again, she could have been having some sort of episode. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this case has more questions than answers, mm-hmm. and sadly, it does not seem likely that the family will ever get answers. So to this day, the manner of the death is classified an incident. Her family did file a wrongful death lawsuit against the hotel, saying that it was the hotel's duty to inspect and seek out any hazards in the hotel um, that are presented to be unreasonable risks of danger to other hotel guests. Mm-hmm. The hotel motioned to dismiss as there's no possible way that they could have like predicted that someone would get yeah. stuck in a water tank. Oh, my God. So and a, a judge did dismiss it. So the hotel did not shut down even after her body was found, which is super messed up. The hotel had waivers saying that they were not liable if new guests checking in got sick from the water. Oh, my God. And really? Yeah. And, and guess who stayed there when this happened? They didn't get a refund. Oh, come on. I That's know. That's like the least you can do. I know. You were literally showering and drinking in contaminated yeah that's oh god so because of this the hotel rebranded and now it's called (laughs) (laughs) and now it's called uh the stay on main so can you imagine being like pr team responsible for that (laughs) all right shit uh (laughs) all right we got to do a total 180 (laughs) Uh, okay so names give me names okay stay on main love it sounds wholesome sounds Mm, great uh very a nice getaway. Uh, nothing suspicious happened here. Nothing for sure. at all. Nothing at all. So that is the mysterious death of Elisa Lamb. Wow. That's really sad. It is really sad, especially because, I mean, she wasn't too far 
from our ages at the time and she just yeah. wanted to like travel and you know she was taking a, a mental break which I, I yeah. fully recommend to anyone but mm-hmm. it's just really unsettling especially because it was like in an age of social media where you can right. still see that's so bizarre. their posts and you can go yeah. back and I feel like her and I might have been friends because on her tumblr she has like a lot of like Harry Potter talk like one is I think I understand Quidditch more than I understand football and I'm like (laughs) same honestly same (laughs) what do Uh, you think happened to her what's your number one theory I personally I think it was foul play like it just seems a little too like okay if the lid was like a a jar you Mm -hmm. know or something Mm -hmm. That could have been, but it's just, yeah. like, especially because her phone wasn't found. Yeah, um, that's really weird. But, like, I don't know. The, the elevator game adds, like, an extra element of just, like, eerie. And it's just, Oof. it's really sad. Like, I just, I just feel so bad for her family, you know? Yeah, me too. Jeez. So, um. Well, this has been a happy episode. <laughs> yeah, it's just, um. Well, everyone, um, we hope you uh, come back <laughs> next time. Next time will be our wild card episode. Ooh, what will we talk about? No who one the, knows. Who the hell knows? I don't. I don't really. I don't know. I don't know uh, either. <laughs> I should probably figure that out. But again, thank you everyone who has tuned in so far. Everyone who has liked our page or shared it. It's really cool. We we're kind of dorky, and we always check how many like downloads we've had, and we're like. <laughs> Maybe we're a little obsessive about it. It's just it's just nice to know it's just, that people are listening and we really appreciate you taking the time. We really time. do. Thank you. You guys yeah. do so much and we appreciate that you take a little time to, to listen to ours when there's so much other stuff there. That said, do you want to tell them how they can find us? Yeah, you can follow us on social media. On social on Twitter, we are at The Insomnia Report. On Instagram, we are The Insomnia Report Podcast. Oh, thank you. We have a Facebook page. You can like it. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you can give us a rating. That would be super neat. That would be awesome. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. If you have a suggestion for a future episode, if you want to submit your own personal listener's episode, or if you just want to say hi, if you have thoughts about any of the cases or any of the topics we've talked about, drop us a line at theinsomniareport at gmail.com. I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. Our theme music was composed by Colin Whitlish and production by Justin Toom. And our cover art is by Erica Chase. We hope to see you next week and stay, what what do we say? Sleepy? Stay spooky? Yeah, stay, well. Stay safe. Oh my God, please. Um, Wash your hands, wear a mask. Wear a mask and go vote. Yeah, yeah, have a voting plan. I voted last week, which was super cool. Um, Go to vote.org to find out how you can vote. You know, thanks again for listening, and are you still there? Probably not. (laughs) All right. Go to bed, people. Sweet dreams, or good morning. Good night. Good day. Who knows? All right, we're done. That's it. That's the podcast. That's it. Bye. (laughs)